Good morning and welcome to the broadcast of the First Baptist Church in Riverton, Kansas, where the mission is to build the church on God's holy word, to see people saved and set free from their sins by accepting Christ and being baptized, to develop fully committed followers of Christ who will worship Him and grow in their faith, and to send an army of believers into the world as missionaries, sharing the gospel with those who don't know Jesus. Our guest speaker this week is Brother James Budge Reekman, Senior Pastor of the First Southern Baptist Church in Coffeyville, Kansas. Brother Reekman has served as pastor in Coffeyville since June of 2009 and is a graduate of the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. We trust that you will be blessed and invite you to join us now for the next 30 minutes as Brother Reekman shares with us today's message titled, God's Blueprint for the Church. This morning, I want to talk to you about the church, about being a healthy church. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that God gave Jesus as the head over to the church, which is his body, and the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but that is amazing. That is so cool. That means that you and I are the representation of Jesus Christ in the communities and in the places in which we go. And so that means that there is absolutely nothing that is more vital or more important than being a part of, than being part of the church. Because you're representing Jesus. You, you are who people see when they see Jesus. And so the Bible goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 4 that speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into all aspects into Christ who is the head from whom the whole body, that's us, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And so that means that God designed the church that it should be growing both in depth spiritually and also in reaching out. And that there is absolutely no place more important that you could be this morning than to be here in your spot causing the growth of the body. And so I want to talk to you just a little bit about that, about being a healthy, growing church. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 2. So if you've got your Bibles, you want to turn to Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at the blueprint for that. But the reason I want to talk to you about that this morning, in fact, I was just thinking about this as I was driving over here, driving along from Kansas, and I thought, you know, in between here and there, I'm going through some towns and past some towns and whatever, and, and, and I probably drove past 50 or 60 churches, you know, not inside, but, you know, as I went through the towns or whatever. And, and if you were to drive around, if you were to make that drive, in fact, if you were, you were to drive around Southeast Kansas, what you would discover is that about 80% of all the churches are dying. That on any given Sunday morning, if you were to walk into most of those churches, what you would see is a group of people, uh, hardly any young kids, hardly any young families, they haven't won anybody to the Lord in years and years and years, and basically what they're doing is just waiting to die. In fact, as I was thinking about this, I was driving along, and there was a sign, and it was on the side of the road, and it said the name of a church, and I won't say what name it was. And then right below it, there was, another, there was an arrow pointing exactly the same way that said cemetery. And I thought, there it is. There's the picture. There's the illustration right there. And so I want you to know this morning that you are the exception to the rule. That you are a part of a church that is reaching people for Jesus, that is touching its community, that's growing. 
and that seeing people come to know the Lord. And I want to encourage you in that. And that's why I borrowed Aaron to go over and encourage my folks. And I want to encourage you in that, that you are the exception to the rule this morning. And I want to encourage you to continue that and to grow in that. And so in doing that, we're going to look at the blueprint for how that happens. This is Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 37. So, a little bit of background. It's been the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit has come down. 120 people in the upper room there. They've been praying. Uh, the Spirit comes upon them. They go out. They do some street evangelism. They're sharing the gospel with people. People are asking what's going on here. A crowd of uh, people gather together. Peter begins to preach the sermon. He gets to the end of the sermon. And he says, listen, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has raised up. And he is now both Lord and Christ. Well, when they heard that, verse 37, it says this. Now when they heard this, that Jesus Christ had been crucified, raised from the dead, and was now both Lord and Christ, they said, what must we do? What shall we do? They were pierced to the heart, and they said, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and there was added that day about 3,000 souls. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those that were being saved. Amen? Amen. So there's the blueprint for what a healthy church looks like. This is God's blueprint. This is the original blueprint. And the blueprint for a healthy church starts with a biblical foundation. And so I just wanted us to walk through this together and notice that the first thing that happened after Peter preached that sermon and he gave the invitation, it says they were pierced to the heart. The foundation of the church begins with the conviction of the Holy Spirit on a person's heart, on a person's life. Salvation must begin with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You see, salvation is a God encounter. It's, it's when we as human beings run into God. And God is the one who has to initiate salvation. You see, God is the one who provided salvation. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus rose from the dead. He had to provide it, and, and he has to initiate it. The Bible says in, in, in Ephesians that all of us, every last one of us, before we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. That we are walking according to the course of the world, according to the God of this world. You're not thinking about God. And the Bible says that no one goes, wakes up one morning all on their own and says, you know what? I'm going to seek after God. The Bible says 
Nobody does that. Why? Because we're dead in our trespasses and sins. And so salvation begins with the Holy Spirit coming and convicting us of our sins. The Holy Spirit coming and showing us our need of a Savior. The Bible says that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You must be born again. And that happens as the Spirit moves. Sometimes... You know, I, I, I'm in church, and, and I see folks, and, and you can see them. They're just sitting back there, and they're thinking, well, you know, you can see them. They're kind of grabbing hold of the pew in front of them and got white knuckles there, you know. And they're thinking, well, I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to do that now. And I'm thinking, oh, that's a really bad decision. Because, you see, you don't get to choose when salvation is offered to you. God has to offer you salvation. And you can't get saved anytime you want. God has to call. God has to convict. And the beginning point of salvation is, is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They were pierced to the heart. And so they asked the question, what shall we do? And what did Peter tell them? Repent and be baptized, each one of you. Now repentance and baptism is, is our response to God's conviction. That's what we do. It is, repentance is, you know what that word means, don't you? It means it about faith. It means to turn. That's what that word means. To repent means to turn. It means to change ownership. It's, it's that I'm walking along one way. I'm walking along according to the course of the world, going under the God of this world, not really thinking about God at all. And all of a sudden, God convicts me. And he says, you know, if you don't turn around, if you don't, if you don't turn a different way, you're going to spend the rest of eternity away from me because that's the path you're walking on. And repentance is to turn and to change ownership. And so the Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the mouth man confesses, what are we confessing? Jesus is, you know what that word means? Boss, owner. Actually in, in Bible days, I know this is going to bother some of you, it meant slave owner. That's what that word meant, Right? And so when I come to Jesus, what I'm saying is, I've been doing my own thing, but now I'm turning to you. And I, you get to be the boss now. You get to call the shots. You are Lord. This Jesus whom you crucified, God has made him both Lord and Christ. And I want you to know this morning, there is no salvation without lordship. You can't, you can't buy a ticket to heaven, but say I'm going to keep on doing my own thing. That is not how it works. With the mouth man confesses, Jesus is Lord, resulting in salvation. With the heart he believes, resulting in righteousness. There is no salvation without lordship. Without turning and saying, you're the boss now. You get to call the shots now. I'm not calling the shots anymore. You're calling the shots. What should we do? Repent. Turn to Jesus Christ and then be baptized, be baptized. And so all baptism is is a public profession of that which God has already done in our hearts. Now, in our world today, baptism's gotten pretty muddied up and pretty muddied in the water. Thank you. Right. <laughs> you got to stay with me here, folks. All right? And it's like, well, you know, baptism, you know, if you were baptized as a baby or something happened to you or your sprinkle or whatever, that, that's probably okay. But that's not true biblically. You see, Jesus gave us a command, right? And he gave us an example. 
His example in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus comes down to the river to be baptized by John the Baptist. He walks into the water. John the Baptist says, mm, we've got this backwards. Okay? You're the Messiah. I'm just the, 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 the messenger. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, permit it at this time that we might fulfill all righteousness. He did it on purpose. He did it to give us an example of what every believer should do, right? And so he went down into the water, and when he came back out of the water, the heavens opened up, and God said, that's my boy. He did good, right? Right? God gave it the okie-dokie. And so at the end of the whole thing, Jesus looks at his disciples, and he says, now, here's your commission. Go and make disciples, baptizing them. In the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. So baptism is important. Baptism isn't like an option. Baptism is your first biblical step of obedience. And so repent and be baptized. And what happens then? What does it say next? And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Next part of salvation, then, is salvation is accomplished through the sealing and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That, that God extends the offer that we say yes or we say no, but if we turn to him in repentance, then he comes along and he seals us and he indwells us. Ephesians chapter 1 says, In him you also, having heard the gospel of salvation, having also believed we are sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise as given as a down payment of our future inheritance in heaven. Now here's the word picture of that, okay? In the, in, in the days when, when that was written, okay, they didn't have envelopes that you licked, right? They didn't have that. And so when you sent a letter, what you would do is you would write the letter and then you'd fold it up and then you'd take a blob of wax and you'd put it on there to, and then you'd a signet ring. It was like your, you know, you had your family crest or whatever, and you would press that down into the And when you press that down into that wax, what it did is it left the impression of your ring. And what Jesus is saying is, is when you say yes to me, I press my impression into your life, the Holy Spirit. And now I'm in you. And you're in me, and I have sealed you. And just as today, it was illegal for anybody else to open up your meal, so then it was illegal for anybody else to break that seal except for the person to whom it was addressed. Who has God addressed you to? Who did Jesus Christ address you to when, he, when you said yes? Yes, right. And so where is your future inheritance? In heaven. Who can open you up? Nobody except for God. Nobody except for God. And so we are sealed. That's a great word. We are sealed in the Holy Spirit. He has given us a down payment of our future inheritance. You see, when, when Jesus Christ presses his image in me, he seals me. And, and nothing is going to touch me. Nothing is going to open me except God someday when I get to heaven. Amen? We are sealed and we are indwelt. We are sealed and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Right? And so, that's what happens. The Spirit of God comes to dwell within us. And, and, and so now, but you shall receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. And 2 Corinthians, one of my favorite verses, says that we all, all of us, are being transformed into ever-increasing stages of glory, into the image of Jesus Christ through the Spirit that God has put in us. So let me ask you a question this morning. Has anything like that ever happened to you? Can you go to that place in your life where all of a sudden you realize I'm walking away from God and he convicted you of your sins and you personally said, if I don't do something about this, I'm going to spend eternity away from him. And you personally turned to him and said yes to him. And when you did that, he said yes to you, and the Spirit of God came to live in your life. And now you are being transformed into ever-increasing stages of glory. Can you go to that place in your life? If not, this morning, you need to start there. That's the beginning point. Well, what happens next? It says, so those that receive that word were baptized, and there was out of that day about 3,000 souls. Now, this is our second thing. In our world today, everybody has made really light and poo-pooed and, you know, church membership and even being part of a church, and, you know, I can love Jesus, but I don't, you know, necessarily have to go to church. And I want you to know this morning that that's a lie, okay? That is a lie from the pit of hell that is not biblical, okay? That is not biblical at all. The Bible says that if you love Jesus, you love the church. Because we're his body. Amen. <laughs> so how can you not love the church if you're his body? And we're his bride. And I don't know about you, but if I told my wife, you know, I really love you, but I don't want to hang out with you, that wouldn't go very far. That wouldn't go very well, right? So we are the body and the bride of Christ. And as the body and the bride of Christ, I want you to hear this this morning, church membership, being a part, is not an option. It is a command from God. You cannot, how many of you possess all the spiritual gifts? Okay, good, we're in pretty good shape. No, none of us possess all the spiritual gifts. Only Jesus Christ possessed all the spiritual gifts. The rest of us got one or two, right? And so in order for you to fulfill your calling as the body of Christ, you need some other people. You need, in fact, you need all these other people. It, it, you cannot fulfill your calling as a Christian individually. You must fulfill your calling as a Christian corporately. And the only way to do that is to become part of a church. Now, any of you guys ever serve in the military? Okay, what branch? Air Force, okay? You served in the military, but you were part of the Air Force, yes? Okay, I'm not going to be mean to you. All right, so when you, when, you, when you joined the Air Force, what did they do? They sent you to boot camp, and then they assigned you, right? They assigned you to a unit. Why did they assign you to a unit? Organizational purposes, and you had a job, and you were good at something, right? And so you had a part. Now, 
when you become a Christian, you join the military, you join the body. But God assigns you to a branch. And then he assigns you to a unit. And the reason why he assigns you to a unit is so you can be trained and so you can be deployed. Can you imagine what would happen if there were no branches or units and we decided to deploy the military to go do something? It would be complete chaos. How can God, how does God get stuff done? He gets stuff done by deploying you as a, as a unit to accomplish his purposes in Riverton, Kansas, in Galena, Kansas, maybe in Samaria, maybe to the uttermost parts of the earth, but you got to be part of a unit. Listen, you, if you're saved, you need to be part, a member, a part of a church. And that's my word from God for you this morning. A healthy church has people who are responsible to that church. And so, there was added. Now, I don't know if they had a membership role or not. I don't know how they do it. But he, they knew who they were. There was added that day about 3,000 souls. I would have been like to have been the counter that day. That would have been fun. All right, one, two. Because they all went down to the temple and got baptized. That's where they all went. It was quite a, quite a deal, quite a show. Would have loved to have been there. All right? So that is foundation. Any of you guys ever built anything? Foundation work is hard work. Right? But if you don't lay a solid foundation, pretty soon cracks appear. Pretty soon, whatever you build upon that top, it's not going to stand up. It's going to begin to shift and move. This is the foundation of the church. The church should be populated by people who have run into God and God has indwelt them, and they are now being transformed into ever-increasing stages of glory. We want our pews to be full of people who are separated from God, who don't have a relationship with God. We want to invite people to come and, and, and hear the gospel message. We want the church to be full, the church building to be full of lost people. Yes? But we want the church to be populated. We want the church roles to be populated by people who have had a radical, life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. What does that look like? Well, it tells us what it looks like. It says, and they, those people that had received that, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. What does it look like when you have a radical encounter with Jesus Christ? Well, that first word there is that you are continually devoted. The church is not an organization you join. It's a place where you live out your commitment to Jesus Christ. Continually devoted. Now, I know we live in a world that's saying, but, but we're so busy and we have so many other things going on. And, and, there's, and so this is just a whole different world than it was back then or it was when my parents grew up or whatever. And I want to tell you that the Bible has never changed. That God's standard for Christianity has never changed. That if, if God saved you, then your job is to be continually devoted to be committed to Jesus Christ, that it's not a chore, it's not a duty, and it's not an option. 
In most churches today, they have what's called the 80-20 rule. You know what the 80-20 rule is? It was the 20-80 rule. 20% of the people do 80% of the work and give 80% of the money. You know what that is? That's a worldly standard somehow placed on the church. You know what God's standard is? The 100% rule. That if you're saved, you're involved in ministry, and if you're saved, you're involved in supporting the church financially and, and spiritually and physically and all those other things, and you are continually devoting yourselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Jesus Christ demands, he demands first place in our lives. Jesus, when he was walking along with the disciples, he said, listen, you want to be my disciple? What do you got to do? Follow me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross on Sunday. Every day. Every day and follow after me. That's the call of Jesus Christ to a believer in Jesus Christ. What are you continually devoted to? There are four internal disciplines which this church should be practicing. And if this church is practicing these four individual, uh, 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 these four corporate disciplines, if you're practicing these things and you are devoted to them, then, then what happens next in, in the scripture will begin to happen and will continue to happen here. And so some of these things are already happening, but I just want to encourage you, all right? So there are four things that corporately we should all be involved in. There are, now, let, let's make it more personal. There are four things corporately you should be involved in. Okay, you ready? The apostles' teaching. Everybody should be corporately involved with other people in the study of God's word. Okay, that is a command from God. The Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves as, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Don't forsake, but instead gather together and encourage. In fact, sharpen one another. Stimulate one another to loving good deeds. Ephesians chapter 4 says that God gave apostles and prophets and teachers and all of those things for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. And so every person here this morning should be involved corporately in a Bible study someplace. You guys all involved in a home group or in a Sunday school class or something, okay? I, 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 he got up here and he was naming off home groups, okay? You should be involved corporately somewhere in Bible study because you know what? You need to be sharpened. And so do I. And that's one of the reasons why Aaron and I are flipping, right? Because my people need to be sharpened. And he sent me down here to sharpen you. And he said, everything was, was off limits. I could say anything I wanted, right? So, we're <laughs> and he's doing the same back there. I'm afraid to see what's going to happen to my folks when I get down to the other end. We're sharpening each other. Every believer ought to be corporately involved in the study of God's word in prayer. Corporate prayer. Now, I know because we were talking the other day. I met with him the other day, and he's, he, he's been talking to you a lot about uh, going into your prayer closet and about individual prayer, and that's really, really important, okay? That's vitally important. But I want you to know this morning that, that corporate prayer is absolutely vital to the life and the extension of the church. Let me, let me tell you why, okay? In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
That's pretty good. Okay, I like that. Right? What's he talking about? Well, in Matthew chapter 18, he's talking to the disciples about church. Now, the church hasn't been established yet, but he's talking to them. And he's talking about church discipline, about if a brother sins and restoring that brother. And in that context, he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Those are the keys to the kingdom. Wherever two or three of you are gathered together in my name, there I am in your midst. The keys to the kingdom have been given to the church and the gates of hell cannot stand against it. And the problem is, is we're leaving the keys sitting on the counter. And we need to start using. We need to start loosing and unlocking. And so I don't know what's going on in your small groups, but let me just encourage you to spend time praying together. And I don't know what you do when you come together on Wednesday night while the youth are going crazy wherever, which, by the way, is a really cool thing. I really like that. It's a really good thing. Right? But let me encourage you to spend some time praying together. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. If you would like to learn more about our church, we would love to hear from you. Our telephone number is 620-848-3347. Or you may write to us at Post Office Box 400, Riverton, Kansas 66770. Our website is rivertonfbc.com and you can check us out on Facebook. The church is located two blocks north of the Quick Stop or one block south of Community Bank and Trust, then one block west or one block east on Bluebird Lane. Our worship services are Sunday mornings at 1045 and Wednesday nights at 7. We also invite you to attend our small group Bible studies for children, youth, and adults. On behalf of Brother Aaron Williams and the entire congregation at FBCR, this is downtown Keith Brown inviting you to join us again next Sunday morning for another exciting message from God's Word. Have a great week and God bless.